You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Today we conclude our series on the prayer series, and and I think this is um, one of the most vital series that, that any church can have or do. In fact, I was talking to somebody this past week that I think I'm going to do a prayer series every single year um, because I don't think we could talk about it or grow in this area more. Um, prayer is one of those things. It's it's one of the greatest gifts and privileges that a follower of Jesus Christ has, but it's also probably the number one most neglected gift as well or tool. Uh, there have been thousands of books written on it, thousands of devotionals, Bible studies. We've turned it into formulas. We've turned it into forms. We've turned it into methods, and it is none of those things. The big idea of this whole thing is that prayer is not necessarily something that we do, but it's more about someone who we are with. It's about being with God. It's about listening to God. It's about talking with God. I mean, if you were to stop saying prayer and just say, I'm going to talk with God, then you'd probably get a better understanding of it because we often look at prayer as an activity rather than a relationship. I mean, you know, when you want to talk to a friend or hang out with your wife or your husband or with a special friend or somebody, you don't go, I'm going, to, I have to go and talk at them. When you love somebody, it's about being in their presence and just enjoying the relationship and the communication and talking and listening. That is what our prayer life is meant to be. It's meant to be not just talking and complaining or going through some sort of prayer list, but listening. So hopefully you're learning how to talk to God with confidence and how to listen with assurance, learning to talk, knowing that you are with the creator of all things as a son, as a daughter, and as a friend of God. Jesus gives us a great picture. His disciples ask, how should we pray? And this is what he said in Matthew 6, 9, it's the Lord's Prayer. I challenged uh, many of you, uh, all of you, to memorize the Lord's Prayer over the last couple of weeks. And uh, let's pray it together. Uh, Let's follow along on the screen so that we're all in the same translation. Matthew 6, 9, here we go. This is then how you should pray. Here we go. Let's pray it together. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is not an incantation. This is not a good luck charm. This is not something you pray before you throw the pass. It's not the big play pray. It's not, this is not some sort of a penance or an assurance or good luck charm. This is a, 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 not a formula, but an outline to talk with God. See, Jesus wasn't giving us a form, a formula, or a liturgy. He was giving us an outline of how this communication with God works best. And I've got inside of your worship guides a prayer card, and that's for you to take home. I suggest you maybe take a picture of it with your phone, and that way you have your prayer card with you all the time. And if you have a few minutes at work or at school or in the morning, and and you you want to spend some time with God, knowing that you're going to talk to Him throughout the day, but you you want to spend some specific relational time with God, um, then pull out that prayer card or look at your phone because you took a picture of it, and just kind of go through some of that prayer. 
This is what we've been looking at. The Lord's Prayer is an acknowledgement of the supremacy of God, the, our dependency in God, and the power of God. It's really broken up into five sections, the Lord's Prayer. The first part is praise. That's what we went in the second week, and that is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Purpose, we talked about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, your purpose for my life, not my will, but your will be done. And then Jesus says, it's okay to start talking about our provisional needs. We got our practical, spiritual, and relational needs. With our practical needs, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. It's okay to pray for what you need, daily in fact. And then he says, pray, forgive us our debts. Then we need to get things right with God every day. Some of you, you stumbled, you've said yes to Christ, but you struggle in that relationship because you've got sin in your life. Well, you know what? Take it before God every day. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. And then he covers the relational needs as we have forgiven our debtors. That You need to get things squared away with others because that greatly and deeply affects our relationship with him. Today, we're going to look at protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we're going to wrap it up with praise as well afterwards. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Today is the final two, prayer and prote uh, protection. Now, over the last few weeks, I've, I've had different phones to represent kind of what we've been talking about. This was last week. Uh, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we said, you know, sometimes you got to go back to go forward. Anybody? Don't raise your hands. Uh, you had to make a phone call this last week. You had to ring up an old friend, uh, maybe someone that you burned a bridge with or someone who's, who's hurt you or you made bitter, or maybe that person's not able to be contacted, but you had to take before the Lord. You had to go to the past before you could go forward with God. Forgive us our Sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That was some of you this week. And then uh, we also, let's see, another phone that we had was, I love this phone here. This is the, uh, the old school, you know, how, <laughs> this was just before we got cell phones. And this was, uh, you know, this is a 25-foot cable, you know. And uh, when you wanted to talk with somebody, you, you'd grab your phone and you'd go into your bedroom or your closet or on the other side of the bed. It's like, how far could you get to a secret place to talk? You know, we're not tethered to the wall anymore. Our secret place is not just a location in the morning, but we have this opportunity to talk with God all day long. We're not tethered to church. You know, this is not the only place you get to talk with God. You get to talk to him everywhere. So we, we talked about that. And uh, also, and I, I like this one. This is actually a working phone. I uh, made this myself out of uh, tomato soup cans, or out of tomato cans, and I shortened it so that it's not so long, because the week that I talked about it, we had it all the way up to the sound booth, but this works, and my daughter and I were playing with it yesterday, and uh, this is pretty awesome. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, you're, you're wondering if the communication's as clear as you'd hope, and it, I tell you, you put your ear up too, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. It sounds like Charlie Brown's parents, you know? Um, yeah, sometimes God's not so clear, but there's a connection, and he does hear you. We talked about that. Now, this week, I've got my favorite phone. It's the, uh, it's the red hotline, right? You guys ever remember the, the uh, Batman uh, and Robin? This was Commissioner Gordon's phone. And you know when this rang, it meant business, right? So we got the, we got the red hotline phone today, and I love this phone. And I think I'm going to give those others away. Well, actually, this one doesn't belong to me, so I won't be giving that away. But this one, I'm going to keep because I, 
I think this is a sweet phone. The hotline phone. You know, today we're going to talk about those emergency moments, right? Those moments when, when you feel like everything is breaking loose. Many of us, in fact, this is what your year has looked like. Every vote counts. That's how some of your year has looked. Like every time you feel like you've caught a break, something else is just tumbling down on you. You're just falling and falling. I, I saw that clip uh, before the series even started when I was first working on the series. And I thought, man, this is a perfect portrayal of most of our year, hasn't it? You know, whether it be uh, sickness as just, man, it's just taking you out and you're just trying to hang on or attacks on your family or your finances or things at school. It just seems like so, everything is just constantly, constantly pulling a dragon and you just can't catch a break. Well, here's why bad things happen. It's very simple. Uh, sometimes bad things happen because bad things happen. Because even good people experience bad events in our life. This is a result of living in a fallen world, and we share this planet with fallen lives. But there's also one more reason why this happens, and it's this right here. There are many reasons why bad things happen. Sometimes it's because things happen, and we live in a fallen world, but sometimes there is an emergency and it's not something that is a result of just living. It's a result of an attack. Let's take a look at this in Ephesians 6. We're going to spend a lot, a lot of time in Ephesians 6 today. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, there's a scheme. The enemy, the devil, has a plan and a, a plot against you. And he has a, an agenda to destroy you. He has a scheme. He's, he's planning against you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, go out 
on the full armor of God. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. By the way, that's going to be talked about in life teams this week. You need to be in one. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, the next sentence is, stand therefore. That means keep on standing. Today, I want to talk to you about what is known in, in the Christian kingdom, in the Christian world as spiritual warfare. And it's a type of prayer where the hotline is, is, is ringing away and you are praying, God, I need you now. God, I need you. I'm calling on the hotline right now, Father. This isn't just, you know, help me to get a good parking spot, you know, or that I get rid of the hiccups or, or that you make my headache go away. This is, we're talking, God, this is emergency and I need you. There are six things you need to know about this war. Six things. Now, some of you, just hearing the word spiritual war sounds just weird to you. Maybe you've never heard of anything like that. Well, today's teaching, Jesus is teaching us about this prayer of spiritual warfare. In Matthew 6.13, when he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Six things you need to know about that one line, and this is it right here. Number one, there's more to life than what you see. You need to write that down. There's more to life than what you see. And if you can write on the side of that, we are not alone. Guys, listen, there is a, a world, a spiritual world that you do not see, that you cannot see, that, that is even in this room right now that is active and involved in the affairs of our lives. There's more to life than what you see. In 2 Kings chapter 6, Elijah uh, and his servants and the armies of the Lord were, uh, the armies uh, that were with Elijah, the people, they, they saw this enemy approaching and they were scared that they were going to be overtaken by this attack. Fearful that their little army would lose against the enemy's great, great army, this is what happened. When the servant of the of the man of God, which is Elijah, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Now, when you think of horses and chariots, you might think just like something like gladiator or something. Now, for them, a horse and a chariot was like us looking out the window and seeing, you know, tanks and artillery and machine guns. It's like, man, all we've got is like, you know, maybe bow and arrow and handguns, you know, and, and here we are looking at tanks. So he's like, man, we're looking at horses and chariots. They've surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord. Oh, no, my Lord. What shall we do? The servant asked. Elijah said, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You circle that. Verse 17, Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots on fire all around Elijah. You see, he prayed, God, give my servant a glimpse of the spirit realm. Give my servant a chance to see God's army fighting for us. And he saw at that moment a glimpse of, of what we cannot see in the natural realm. God gave him a moment of clarity, a glimpse of the spirit world. Guys, we are not alone. 
There's more to life than what you see. Second thing I want you to know about this passage and that Jesus told us to pray is he said, lead us not into temptation. I want you to write this down, is that there is a real war. There's a real war. There's a war right now. There's another world, one that we cannot see, a spirit world, and there's a war, a war going on right now that is invisible that we cannot see. And it is a war between two kingdoms, a kingdom made up of spirit beings that we cannot see, one that is of the enemy, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and one that is of the Lord, that is of God. There are two armies at war right now. Even in this place, there is a war right now that we cannot see. And the sooner that you can understand that there is a war going on, then the quicker you're going to be to know how to pray and when to pray and how to look at your life differently. See, this war is waged often in our mind and in our heart with temptations and attacks. That's why he said, and pray, Father, deliver us from evil or lead us not into temptation I want to ask you, do you have spiritual eyes this morning? And I want to challenge you to look beyond what you're seeing and and know just as real as your trouble is, there is a spirit world that is real. And sometimes the troubles we have in life are a result of life, living in a fallen world with fallen people. But sometimes there are attacks from the enemy. Ephesians 6.12 goes on, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That means uh, in, the, in the spirit realm or in the sky. It doesn't mean like in heaven. It means in the air. See, it may seem confusing for you to understand this, But there is a war that's not fought with guns and bombs or nunchucks and slingshots. There is a very real world. And the battle is not with your coworker. The battle is not with your dad. The battle is not with your boss. The battle is not with that kid at school. The battle is not with costumes and candy. The battle is not with Democrats or Republicans. The battle is not with a president or a government. The war is not with Hollywood, TV, celebrities, or music stars. There is a real war, and it's not in this world. It's not with flesh and blood that we war. It is a spiritual war that is in the air. There's an army trying to destroy the lives. The enemy's schemes are to destroy those that love the Lord and that the Lord loves. Our struggle, the war we are in, is with invisible spiritual beings. Now you're like, Ted, you are just getting all whack right now. This is like, you're, getting, you're, you're, you're becoming like one of those like fantasy movies that I know is not real, but I like to think about. No, this is, this is not, if you believe that God is real, then this is, this, is the, this is the next step in understanding who God is. I mean, we're not just here playing church and trying to be good people because there's a real war that's going on for the lives of people every single day. And it is a spiritual war that eventually can take out even the physical lives of this world with sickness, disease, and deception. And you are in the battlefield. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are target number one on the map. 
If you're not a follower of Christ, the enemy has you already. He might mess with you, but the real targets are the followers of Jesus. Or oftentimes those that are leaning towards knowing Jesus, the enemy might try to intervene to distract you and to pull you away. There's a whole other world. Why don't you just take a moment and just to look around this room for a second. Now, you're just seeing people in the chairs, but there's spiritual activity in this room right now. And there's some people in the chairs right now, they're in the war for their life. And it could be their health, could be their finances, could be their marriage, could be physically some of you here on the edge of taking your own life. There's a war against you right now. Matthew 6.13, Jesus said, and deliver us from the evil one. Some translations just say evil. That's because the word for evil one in different manuscripts has a masculine form or a neutral form. If it's neutral in the manuscript, then it's translated deliver us from evil. If it's the masculine form, it's deliver us from the evil one. So it depends upon which one you take. Uh, The majority of them have the masculine form, which is deliver us from the evil one. And I want you to write this down. Number three that you need to know is that there is an enemy. There is an enemy. Not only is there a war, but there is a general in that war who is not a friend of God, and he's not your friend either. There is an enemy. The Bible calls him Satan, the devil, the serpent, the great dragon, the deceiver, the murderer, the accuser of the brethren, the adversary, the thief, the lawless one, the rebellious one, the enemy of our soul. He is a created being. He once was an angel who wanted to receive the glory that was due God alone. He wanted some of that. He wanted recognition. He wanted the glory. He wanted the attention that belonged to the Lord alone. And he was cast from heaven. And he was cast from heaven with a third at that time of the angels. He has no creative ability. He's only a spirit. He's a very, uh, uh, you know, limited ability angel spirit. A lot of times we think of the devil as somehow co-equal with God, that there's God and then there's the devil and somehow they're at war. You know, it's like we get this image that, you know, there's that, that silly picture that you see if you Google the devil and it's got Jesus arm wrestling with the devil. I'm like, oh, it's, who's going to win? Oh. You know, it's not even close. If I could illustrate it for you in my mind, it would be, uh, it'd be like you squeezing an ant between your fingers. You know, it's just an annoyance. See, God is all-powerful. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is uh, uh, omnipresent. He is, he is able to do and to be. His will is forever established and done. You cannot stop it. He has creative ability. He can be everywhere. He can read your thoughts and your minds and can be everywhere simultaneously. The devil has none of that. He has no creative power. He, has, he is not omnipresent. He is a spirit created being who only can be in one place at one time. He doesn't know our thoughts. He doesn't know our actions. He only knows our habits and our weaknesses based upon our own behaviors. He can't get into our mind other than shooting lies into our ear that we pick up with the voices of the, this war that goes on for our spirit but he is not even close to who Jesus is. Guys, listen, Jesus acknowledges the reality of the devil more than once throughout the New Testament. He knows who the devil is because he created him. He was a beautiful angel at one time. 
Satan is not the brother of Jesus Christ, though the Latter-day Saints might want to tell you that. Jesus is the creator of all things, the Bible says, that through him and for him all things were created, including the enemy, Satan. He was not the enemy then. He was an angel designed and created to glorify God, but he wanted that glory for himself. John 10.10 says, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and have it to the full. Guys, listen, wake up. There is a plot against you and your family. Wake up. There is a plot to kill, steal, and destroy your life and your family and the ones you love. The thief comes only to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's his plot. That's what he has his mission to do. But Jesus has a plan to counter Satan's plot. And he's coming to give us life, abundant life. 1 Peter uh, 5, 8, the apostle Peter says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we used this verse in our men's Bible study last week, uh, and we were talking about how, not yesterday, but last week, um, how the, the lion likes to attack the loner. They don't attack the herd, they attack the one. They attack, that's why it says that the enemy, the devil, seeks someone to devour. Guys, listen, we find ourselves weakest when we're not in the herd, when we're not in the huddle of the body of Christ. You know, we have a lot of people that come to church, you know, maybe every other week or once a month or something, and they're disconnected. They, they're not in a small group. They're not in a live team. They're not going to Bible studies. They just kind of wander in, wander out, and they can't figure out why their life is always falling apart because the devil is seeking out your life to devour someone. And the second we isolate ourselves from the herd, from the pack, from the body of Christ, the enemy is there to pounce and to attack. But I like this part where it says this. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So he's saying, don't give in. You're not alone. You don't have to be alone. Satan is active and real. But here's what it doesn't mean. Because some, you know, some people that blame everything on the devil. So what it does not mean. It, number one, it does not mean that the devil is in everything that's bad. Everything that, that is not, everything that's bad that happens to you. Everything that's bad in this world is not because the devil has his hand on it. It's because there's a cycle of sin and destruction after the fall. There's actually uh, three places where evil comes from defined in the Bible. The first place is the flesh, our own selfish and evil desires. Sometimes our own selfish, bad habits or evil desires or poor mistakes or rebellious heart take us to bad places. Another place where evil comes from is the world. We live in a fallen world. So there are other sinful people who follow their sinful behaviors. And sometimes we are the result of some people's fallen sinful behavior. And we reap the fruit of a car accident or some sort of, uh, you know, dishonest transaction or, or, or something that happens where a human who has failed and fallen and in following their evil desires. So our self, 
Our flesh, the world, and the third one is, yes, evil does come from the devil. The devil is actively looking for someone to devour. Many Christians are practicing Satanists in this room and pagans, and you don't even realize it. Some of you go to church every single week, and you are a practicing Satanist and a pagan. What does that mean? Well, paganism, paganism is defined as this. This is the, the mantra of the Church of Wicca, paganism, and that is, do as thou will, harm none. That means you can do whatever you want as long as it's among consenting adults. doesn't matter how deprived, doesn't matter how, how perverted, doesn't matter how bizarre, doesn't matter what you do as long as who you do it to doesn't hurt anybody or as long as you're all consensual. So that means you could, that opens up the world to a whole bunch of depravity. And some of us, we live just like that. And here's the vow of Satanism. Aleister Crowley penned this, is he was a pagan who focused on the evil side of, pagan, uh, of paganism. And his mantra was this, do as thou wilt, that is the whole of the law. So while a pagan says, do as thou wilt, just don't hurt anybody, make sure it's consensual, pay, uh, Satanists will say, do as thou wilt, period. And you know what? Some of you are practicing pagans and Satanists because you live according to your will. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, as long as it doesn't affect anybody, or maybe for some of you it does, but it doesn't matter because it's your will. I think, unfortunately, knowing that there's a real enemy, we ought to pray, thy will be done, O Father. God, we pray your will be done, but many pray my will instead of thy will, and that is defined as Satanism and paganism. So many of you, you think, well, that's harsh, Ted. Man, that's, that's harsh. You're calling me a Satanist. No, I'm calling you a practicing Satanist. Big difference. Really? <laughs> Call it what you want, but that is what some of you do, and it's just what the evil one wants because there is a real enemy. Number four, I want you to write this down, is that prayer is our weapon of war. Prayer is our weapon of war. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus began this whole thing by saying, this then is how you should pray. You should pray. You should pray this part about deliverance and temptation and resisting the evil one. He says, you should pray because this is our weapon of war. In this spiritual fight, prayer is a privilege, but it's also a tool. It is our weapon. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this. The Apostle Paul, writing to a small church in Corinth, says this. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish spiritual strongholds. That means what we do when we pray demolishes, brings down strongholds in the spirit realm. See, when the enemy hits hard, when the attack is on, when you are beat and bloody and you're staring down temptation, when that habit is looking at you square in the face, you pray. That is your weapon. You get on your face before the Lord. You don't drive over to that person's house and settle the score once and for all. You don't repay evil for evil. You don't worry and, and get all stressed out and, and, and start wondering if, if, if you're going to survive. Get on your face and pray. That is your weapon in this spiritual war. Never forget, however, prayer is never, ever meant to substitute 
for obedience. You can write that down. It's in your, actually in your worship notes. You can circle that. Prayer is never meant to substitute for our obedience. If you are living outside of God's will for your life, there's a good chance it won't affect your life at all unless you surrender to the will of God in your life. See, what we like to do is we like to live like a Satanist or paganist. My will be done. Why will my will be done? All of a sudden, we, we get in trouble. We get in a corner. We get kind of smacked in the face with an attack, and we're like, all right, now I'm going to pray, God. I built this myself. I led myself here. But you know what? The Lord is good to deliver us when we surrender to him, and he will lead you out. But if you're just trying to get a quick fix and you're not willing to surrender, prayer is never meant to substitute for obedience. I want you to write this down. Number five, God alone can beat the enemy. In this war, in this spiritual war with this real enemy, God alone can beat this enemy. Matthew 6, 13 uh, is preceded by verse nine where he says, our father in heaven, and then we get to deliver us from temptation. You see, we're praying to our father to deliver us, God and God alone. Satan, who is a fallen angelic spirit, has some power, but our God is infinitely greater. Know this, you cannot win on your own. You cannot win over the enemy without Jesus. Without him, you will lose the war. With with him, you've already won. The war. Look back at the verse that we started with in Ephesians 6.10. Paul talking about this invisible war. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not strong in ourself, not strong in our own might, not strong in our own determination. In fact, another place Paul says, it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's through God's power, strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the armor of God. We don't put on our armor or our best intentions or our just deep commitment. We put on the armor of God in his might, in his strong, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We call upon the Lord for us to stand strong. Guys, listen, scary movies, this, you know, it used to be they, they came around around, you know, September, October, but now, you know, scary movies are actually the number one uh, movie genre uh, on the planet. Uh, even the cheapest low-budget horror movies make more money uh, per uh, capita, uh, I mean, per year than, than most other movies because people are just fascinated. In fact, the lower the budget, the better they are for a lot of people because they just look authentic and scary and real. But you know what you find a common theme in these movies? Either two things happen. Either one, the enemy always wins right at the last minute, just when you think it's happy ending. You know, there's a face, a shadow. The enemy never dies. You know, they're setting it up for a sequel in case it does real well. So, uh <laughs> How many Halloweens are there? How many were there? Six. That's all? I thought there were more than that. Yeah, because they like they jump to the future. They're like Jason in the future, uh, like running out of ideas. Um, but here's what always happens: either usually evil win, uh, usually evil wins, or he's defeated by bravery, love, or goodness. Let me tell you something: those things cannot beat the enemy. 
There's not, our, there's not a good thing, a good brave thing. There's not even our love that can defeat the enemy. And it's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not meditation. It's no amount of positive thoughts can defeat the enemy. There's only one who can defeat the enemy. It's in the power of his strong name. It's in the power of his might. It's only through God and God alone that we know through Jesus Christ. Only Jesus alone can defeat the enemy. If you are not a Christian, if you are not in his family, you should be very concerned. You should be pretty alarmed because as a follower of Jesus, we have confidence in this. But as someone who is not a follower of Jesus, you should be deeply concerned because you are left without a single effective weapon and the enemy will take you out. Here's the fifth thing, or the sixth thing, the last thing I want you to know is that this war has already been won. This war has already been won. After he says, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the prayer finishes with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. This idea is that the war has already been won. Now, just a sidebar for some of you who are confused because you're following along in your, maybe your favorite translation on your phone, and you might notice that your Bible translation doesn't have that last phrase. Anybody have a, have a translation where you've noticed it's not there? It's going to be a lot of them because there's only a handful of translations that have it. And there's a reason why. It's because some of the newer translations use older manuscripts. And the oldest manuscripts do not have, for yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. While the newer manuscripts, there are still ancient manuscripts. We're talking, you know, uh, ancient manuscripts still. Um, Though they still include it, the oldest ones do not. So here's what happens. The oldest do not have it, but the majority of them do. So what do you do? You do what a lot of the translations do, is they don't include it, and they put a star, and they put it at the footnote, or they put it on the sidebar. Or if they use certain translations, then it's going to include it. That's all it is. It's about whichever translation uses whichever ancient manuscript, it's going to include it. But even the ones that don't, they usually put a sidebar on why it's not there. It's definitely accurate. It definitely represents the heart of scriptures. And I think it's definitely something that we should pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer. The point is this. We end with praise because the war has already been won. Know this. You do not fight for victory. You fight from victory. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you do not fight for victory, you fight from victory. If you are a follower, you have no need to be afraid of the demonic realm. You can face these attacks with boldness knowing that Jesus has won. We are not fighting to win, we are enforcing a victory. Jesus secured our victory on the cross when he crushed the head of the serpent, when he declared it is finished. But guys, listen, there's good news and bad news about this war. The good news is that God Almighty, Jesus, has already won, and Satan is no equal with God. He is a created being with very limited power, and the devil has no authority over a follower of Jesus Christ's life. That's good news. Bad news is this. The enemy is not giving up quietly. He's not giving up quality, uh, quietly. And if you are a follower of Jesus, the enemy has you in his sights. He's got you in his scope. He is invisible. He is evil. And he hates you. And he hates your kids. And he hates your parents. 
and he hates your life. He hates your family, your brothers and your sisters. And he is on the attack, seeking out someone to devour, to kill, steal, and destroy. The war is on. I often think it's like a rabid dog who will be put down, but not without a fight. You've got this enemy who's got very limited power. In fact, his greatest power is deception as he twists the lies of spirituality in the hearts and minds of people, holding them captive to false religions and false faiths and false belief systems. If you are a Christian, you are not alone and you are not losing. You have one. Jesus is victor. Satan is defeated, but that rabid dog is fighting and he will not go down without a fight. But know this. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children, talking about the family of God, those that have bowed the knee to Jesus, those of you that are followers of Jesus, you dear children are from God and have already overcome him, overcome them, the evil spirits, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And I like this verse here in Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us, his followers, a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. Followers of Jesus, listen, be fearless. Be fearless. Those without Jesus, be afraid. Because the enemy is real. And the war is real. Today, you can say goodbye to that fear, however, by surrendering your life to Jesus and to his authority. Know this. I want to end with this thought, and we're going to pray. We're going to do some spiritual warfare this morning. Is your prayers are more powerful than you know. What you think is just hitting the ceiling and reaching Uh, just the rafters is actually reaching the very throne of God. And God is working to accomplish his will through our prayers. They're more effective than you realize. Let's go back to that spiritual war passage in Ephesians 6. And again, the live teams are going to break this down uh, this week. Ephesians 6, 13 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, that means be protected, so that when the day of evil comes, when you are attacked, You may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, held up by the truth of God's power and character. And then he says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You see, our righteousness is in Jesus alone. My heart and soul is protected through the cross of Jesus. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that means you're ready to go where God leads you and you are prepared and you do not need to be afraid. In verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy, of the evil one. Faith in God shields me from the enemy's attacks and accusations. Not faith in yourself, not faith that everything's going to work out okay, not positivity, but the shield of faith is faith in the Lord. He alone can protect us against the attacks or the fiery darts of the evil one. And he goes, take the helmet of salvation. That means my thoughts and my minds, the lies that the enemy tells me, that come at me, that tell me I'm nothing, that I'm not worthy, that I'm a failure, and that God will, is, is finished with me, and that I've crossed the line one too many times, or that he doesn't care about me, these lies 
that tell me that I'm lost. God says, you are saved. The helmet of salvation is protecting my thoughts because my salvation says I'm a child of the king. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's, an offen- it's the only offensive weapon. This is what This is is what God says you take to the devil. You might see this in Jesus' life when he was tempted by the devil. He responded each time with the word of God. But the word of God says, but this is what the word of God says. You see, the more we can know the word of God and use it not as a weapon against each other, not as a weapon against people, but as against uh, against spiritual forces, against the enemy. What are we supposed to put on? Truth. Truth righteousness, readiness, faith, salvation, the word of God, prayer. That is represented in the armor of God, all given to those who are Christians by God himself. I want you to tell your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, don't fight naked. (laughs) Go ahead, say, don't fight naked, put on the armor. (laughs) Verse 18 goes on, it says, and pray in the spirit. What's that mean? It means be led of the spirit when you pray. Listen to what God is saying when you're praying. Don't just blah, blah, blah. Be led of the Spirit. Listen to what God is saying to pray about. And on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Guys, listen, sometimes you might be at work and you're having a great day, but God will bring to you someone in our church or someone in your family or a coworker will come to mind. And you know what that is? That's the Spirit of the Lord saying, pray right now. That person is under attack and God's going to accomplish his will through your prayer. Man, pray, be led of the Spirit in all occasions. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I love, you know, I want you to know, I pray for many of you by name throughout the day. And sometimes I'll even text you and say, I'm just praying for you. Because, and some, and some of you, you send me those encouraging words too, man. And, and I'll respond, man, I needed that. Thank you, because I'm under attack just like you. And if I come to mind, then will you pray for me? Because when you come to mind, I'm praying for you. And I don't look at that as, ah, I wonder what that guy's doing. Whether I haven't seen that guy in years, or whether I just saw him yesterday, the, the enemy is out prowling, scheming, and ready to devour. And God is saying, hey, heads up, pray for this person. They need you right now. If you feel like you're under attack, that might be God giving you spiritual eyes. Pray, get on your knees. Call out to God, the thoughts in my head, things I see when I close my eyes. I pray. Now, I I used to suffer with severe anxiety when I was a young person. And I was on medication a lot when I was a kid. And even when Nicole and I started dating, when I was a young adult, I, I was prescribed some depressants and to because I had I have hyperactivity anyhow but I also had a tremendous anxiety and uh, man you know every now and then that that thing will creep its ugly head up and I'll just man enemy devil you are a liar I have the peace of God God has not given me a spirit of fear but a power and love and of a sound mind and I make my request and God gives me his peace and there's that peace that surpasses understanding and I tell you what uh, the Lord is real and he is the one who fights the battle for us and sometimes I'll see things when I'm closing my man just lies of the enemy attacks on my family 
I've learned to develop a life of what's known as intercession. That means prayer, a life of prayer. That When you see that, when you hear that, the Lord has given you spiritual eyes to see things in your life and in the people around you. So when we get to that part of the prayer, when we say, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's our time to get serious on our face in intercession for those around us that we should be quick to pray and not hover on the negativity. And he goes on to say, verse 19, he says, pray also for me. Guys, don't forget to pray for your pastor. Don't forget to pray for your church leaders, your youth pastor and your pastor's wife and your life team leaders. Don't forget to pray. Also pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Why was he asking that he would do it fearlessly? Because unlike us, his life was on the edge every single time he opened his mouth. Every time he stood up to speak, he had an enemy in the physical realm ready to literally kill him. It was with that knowledge that people in this life were trying to physically kill him that he said, our war is not in this life. It's not a physical war. It's a spiritual war. Even when someone is after him, he still calls out because it's a spiritual war that's a place. And he says, pray that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He's saying all this, by the way, in and out of prison. Why was he in prison? For preaching the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul prayed and asked us to pray for each other, for our leaders, to be fearless. We have already won through Jesus. And what we're going to do now is we're going to take some time to pray. And and I want to challenge you guys. The hotline is on. I plugged this in last night, and then I called my phone, because all these phones I plugged in, because I want to hear what they sound like. And... uh, um, this one has such a cool, you know, I love the sound of this. And Noah's like, oh, I love it. I love it. So we go to the other room in the house and we talk to each other over the phone. Uh, it's so cool. Now, I love just the way it looks. And Nicole's like, get that out of my house. Uh, doesn't match the decor. But I, I tell you what, there is a hotline. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? You have direct access to the Father. Dad. I need you right now. My friend needs you right now. My husband, my wife, my children, God, they need you right now. And the Father doesn't let it ring and hope it goes to message, unlike myself or some of you. He picks it up every time. And he responds, I got you. The battle is mine. So let's pray right now. All right, I'm going to ask the band to come forward. We'll go ahead and have the ushers get ready. And uh, uh, we're going to take up the offering because I like to end with the time of, uh, of prayer uh, during this series. And uh, next week we start a new series, and it's called Lift. And I'm going to be diving through some of the smaller uh, letters of the New Testament. We're going to go through 2 John. 3rd John and Titus over the next month, and it will definitely lift you up and take you to new places in your walk with God, and then we'll be heading into our holiday uh, series in December. So this next month of November is going to be awesome as we dig into the small but significant, important letters of the New Testament. Um,
As yesterdays are coming, I want to encourage you guys. We have uh, different ways that you can participate in giving. You can give in service. You can give online. Uh, just go to our website and click the donate now. You can uh, do it on automated, or you can even go old school, put it in an envelope and lick it and put it in the mail. Uh, that address is in the worship is on the website. Um, so I want to encourage you guys to do that. Um, we need it. You know, we are looking for a new place for our church to meet. And we've been in discussions over the last um, about three, four weeks over a particular space, and that kind of fell through this week because they just were not willing to go any lower than what uh, they said they'd rather it be empty than to go uh, to fill it. So anyhow, the look goes on, but having uh, faithful givers plays a big part in our ability to do that. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, blessing us as a church with this uh, wonderful place to meet. And God, I know that you have our future in your hands. And God, I, I know that there's a spiritual war uh, against us in the body of Christ particularly. And, and it does include many times our finances. So Father, we just pray that you'd, you'd fight the battle for us, that we would be obedient uh, in what you've called us to do. Our obedience should always align with our prayer. And so, Father, I pray for obedience in this area of giving and worship. And uh, God, I pray that you would fight the battle in this area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just before, uh, go ahead, Usher, go ahead. Just before we, we take up the mantle of prayer, I want to announce a couple of things. We had two couples in our church that got married on the same day, on Friday. And uh, one of them is here. Their honeymoon's with you. How awesome. Actually, no, they're leaving this week to go to San Antonio, and the other one's already gone. The first couple is not here today. You might recognize them. They usually sit in the back here or in the middle. And uh, that is... Um, uh, Thomas and Michelle Wright, and they'll be back next week. But we also have here Jamie and Catherine, and uh, you guys want to stand up? And uh, let's say congratulations to them, y'all. They just got married on Friday, so two young couples who didn't know each other who live in the same apartment complex got married on the same day. Go figure. All right, let's all stand. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for you guys, too, as we pray. And uh, we're going to go through some spiritual warfare. Now, I've got that prayer card that I gave you, but we're going to go through the prayer that is on the screen because each week we're learning how to pray these areas. And so right now I want us to pray that prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here's how we're going to pray it. First of all, I want you to pray. This is not about you standing there and listening to me. This is about you taking up your privilege, your taking up the only weapon that really ever will win anything in this life, and that is prayer. I want you to take up that tool and declare unto the Lord your prayer from your heart. You can't mess it up if your heart is humble. You know, you might stumble, but that's the heart of God that, uh, that the Lord will receive. So it doesn't matter if you say the things right. It's that you are praying, that you're talking. All right, so first of all, I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray, God, lead me and give me strength to stand strong in the face of temptation. As Jesus said, pray, lead us not into temptation. I want you just to take a moment. I want you to talk to God. Say, God, give me strength. God, give me strength to stand strong in the face of my temptations. Maybe some of you guys have a temptation, a battle, a habit, something that you struggle with. I want you to take that to the Lord right now. Go ahead and take it to him. Say, Father... Here's what I struggle with. Go ahead, take a moment, talk to him.
point out that struggle, that temptation specifically to God. Say, God, give me strength to overcome this battle in my life, this personal temptation, this personal war. Maybe it's the temptation to believe lies about yourself that the enemy will try to whisper in your ear that you're nobody, that you're nothing, that you're beyond lovable, and that God is finished with you. These are lies of the enemy. Counter those. God, give me strength to know who I am in Christ, to believe who you say I am, that as a child of God, I am redeemed. There is no condemnation. I am accepted. I am valuable. I am important as a child of God. Then Jesus said, and pray, deliver us from the evil one. I want you to take a moment, and I want you to pray, God, by your power and authority, we stand against the enemy. And I want you to do this. I want you to pray for yourself. And I want you to pray for your family. If you're with your husband or your wife, I want you to take your husband or wife by their hand. If you've got children by you, I want you to put your hand on your child or around them. I want you to pray for your husband, for your wife, for your family. If you have a friend and you want to pray for them, you put your arm around them. You pray for your friends. You pray for your church. And you say, Satan, hands off. Hands off my wife. Hands off my husband. Hands off my kids. Enemy, you have no authority, no place, no right in their life. As a child of God, I tell you through the power of God that God has won and you are a liar and you are a deceiver and you have no place in my life and with my family. Pray, hands off, enemy, off my health. Enemy, hands off my finances. Hands off my relationships. Take a moment and pray for those as the Spirit leads you that are under attack in your family and pray for them by name. Pray for them by name and take them before the Lord. The Lord is powerful and mighty to deliver them. God, by your power and your authority, we stand against the enemy. You have won, Jesus. Help us to see the battle through your eyes and not through our circumstances, Father. And then I want you to, this last part, he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want you to lift up the name of Jesus. I want you to tell him, God, this is for your glory. With your own lips, say, Jesus, you are victorious. With your own lips, say it out loud. Let the enemy hear it. He can't read your mind. He is not omniscient. The enemy likes to likes to lie to you. Why don't you tell him the truth? Jesus is victorious. Jesus Christ is king, and he's king of my life. God, it's for your glory, for your kingdom, and forever you reign. Thank God and praise him for his goodness and for hearing and answering prayer. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.